Congress at work. The Fury Theory starts right now. The Fury Theory podcast brought to you by EFB Advocacy. We are joined by a very special guest. Jack Klein is a Marine, a Harvard graduate, former president of the Science Coalition, currently the associate vice chancellor for federal relations at the University of Kansas, also worked for our good friend John Boehner. Welcome to the Fury Theory. Uh, Jack Klein, there are many things Congress ought to do. But one of the things that Congress must do is increase funding for biomedical research. Don't you agree? Absolutely, 100%. Right now, uh, we're working with uh, our partners like United for Medical Research, Science Coalition, uh, Act for NIH, and the larger higher ed research community are locking arms to support an FY20 uh, NIH request at uh, 42.1 billion. Uh, right now we're at 39, a little over 39 for FY19. And so uh, we're working closely, lobbying uh, House and Senate appropriators uh, for this number. Uh, and um, we're just praying that uh, we don't go into a CR so that all the work that appropriators have done the last six, eight months uh, will enable these bills to move forward. John Easton, you've been working on this for a long time. Biomedical research has probably got to be the most popular thing that Congress does. I mean, think about this. You think about Alzheimer's. You think about Parkinson's. You think about uh, all the kind of cancer research. Uh, this is really important stuff, and we've had some success. We've had a lot of success of late, and, and I think a lot of people will remember that we went through a decade of flat funding, and it really hamstrung uh, the, that, that pipeline of innovation. And, and I think that one of the reasons why it's, it has such bipartisan support is and has be, really become a national priority. And, and it's one of those areas with, that does get increases because, as, as Jack was mentioning, because it, it has become that priority on both sides of the aisle. If you think about it, and a lot of people don't realize this, but NIH funding, the vast, vast majority of that does not happen inside NIH. It happens out in the 50 states. Right. There, there, there are all these laboratories, of, and they're really they're research centers, and a lot of times it's on university campuses, and which is creating these innovation hubs around these research centers, which is creating not only this great uh, boost in public health, to your point about all these diseases, trying to come up with treatments and cures, but it also uh, creates a ton of great jobs around, around these centers. So talking about jobs, but, you know, Semper Fi and Rock Chalk Jayhawk, Rock University Chalk. of Kansas. Kansas does a lot of this research, right? Absolutely. So NIH Research is our number one federal extramural research agency. Uh, it's the number one priority for the chancellor. Uh, this is something where I think about every day when I talk to the members of the Kansas congressional delegation and their staff. Uh, we are fortunate that, that, ha uh, that we have a staff that um, understands our priority and understanding by voting the right way for these uh, appropriation bills. Yeah. Not just for NIH, across the board, I'm advocating for research and uh, other agencies, but um, NIH is something that, um, uh, whether it's Senator Roberts, Senator Moran, or our four House members, they understand that this is um, uh, number one for us. And John Easton, when you're talking to members of Congress, everyone's got a personal story. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know from my perspective, my dad had Parkinson's, and you know, it was devastating. And if you get the research in there, I mean, we could solve this problem. Yeah, that, that's right. And I think that, that by funding these great uh, research organizations, centers, universities, you're, you're doing that. You're not only doing that, but you're, you're, you're keeping America as the, the leader in global biomedical research. I think that's incredibly important, too, because everybody wants to come here to, to do their research, that's to, right. to um, you know, push the innovation envelope. And if you think about, um, and Jack, you can uh, remind me the number of this, but recently it was discovered that all of the 
drugs, of, I don't know how many recent drugs were approved by FDA in the last two years, I think it was, uh, were NIH-funded research. Ah. And that's just a, a great story in and of itself. The kind of innovative drugs, that are, prescription drugs that are coming out in the market are that to, to help th these treatments is amazing. And Jack Klein, I mean, this is a bipartisan thing. You've been at the White House talking about this stuff. And Absolutely. And so the, the, the thing about NIH research is it's beloved, obviously, on the House and Senate side, Republicans and Democrats, which is great. Um, but we have seen from past years in terms of the presidential budget request that uh, NIH has um, been proposed for cuts. But the good news that we've seen, of course, is the president's statement in the State of the Union earlier this year. Tonight, I am also asking you to join me in another fight that all Americans can get behind the fight against childhood cancer. Many childhood cancers have not seen new therapies in decades. My budget will ask Congress for $500 million over the next 10 years to fund this critical life-saving research. Obviously, we want a larger number, right? But it's a great start. And more, and more importantly, it's a great message to the community that the White House does get it, this president gets it. And um, I think our job is to not only lobby for these dollars on the Hill, but to ensure that the administration understands that at the end of the day, he's going to sign these bills. He has signed these bills. He should get some credit uh, for doing that. And so um, uh, I'm trying to bring in as many partners and allies as possible. And if the president wants to say that in the State of the Union, I'm going to underscore it and lobby hard. So in my role at the University of Kansas, um, I worked uh, with the administration and the staff, um, both in the executive, uh, executive branch uh, and our National Cancer Institute staff, to really help drive uh, the importance of this uh, initiative and, and to get it sold with House and Senate appropriators. So there's so much partisan brawling going on, John Easton, especially in the House and the Senate. You, th you think about that, but people don't really realize that there's a lot of work that Congress still has to do. And can Congress, you know, work and bicker at the same time? Now that That is the billion-dollar question. It, it's uh, when you have something as serious and all-consuming as impeachment, everything has to now be seen through that lens. I think that there are probably three things in, in my mind that, that – I think are possible uh, in between now and the end of the year to get done by Congress, and that is obviously the spending bills, which we were just talking about. We were talking about um, the labor HHS education bill that has NIH, but there are, of course, 11 other bills that, that need to be passed and signed into law. These are probably going to be combined into what they call these sort of mini packages, and and uh, it's it's critical that they get done and some of them maybe kick to the to the to next year and and you know get extended and all and so it, it's it's becoming more of a more of a mess and because it's more of a mess it's um imperative and i know that the, the the appropriations chairman are really really um feel like it's an immediate priority then you have the u.s mexico canada trade agreement that is possible but again that could be fall the victim of all this dysfunction and party. If you thought it was dysfunctional and, and partisan before impeachment, it's going to get 50 times worse. Um, and then I would say that there's another item that has been talked about a lot, and that's a, a drug pricing um, bill uh, that was that that is intended to lower the, the price of drugs uh, and, and reform the process. Uh, that could get done in the end of the year um, health package. Uh, but we will see. I, what's interesting is that's about to be passed by the House. Uh, it's going through the first committee this week.
probably the second next week, second and third next week. So it's on its way, and it's going to pass the House. And then it's going to be you know, in, the, in the Senate to, uh, to see what they, they're going to do with it. But it's possible. But I, I, outside of that, I, I don't – even that is extremely ambitious, those three things. But those, I would say, are, are the three major things. I'll add on to that. One other thing that I'm hoping that Congress takes up are the, um, the extenders. Uh, so we have both health and tax extenders mm-hmm. that – um, I, I think will be addressed, or at least uh, I'm praying the rosary that they will. Uh, <laughs> specifically, uh, there's um, a program, not to get into the weeds, called um, PCORI, which is a Patient-Centered Outcome Research Institute. It's a program that we care about at the University of Kansas, but, but more importantly, it's a program that helps uh, patients, not just in Kansas, but across the country. And so uh, it's a program we're trying to get included with the extenders package um, and uh, a variety of uh, priorities that uh, we very much hope will, will be taken up. So, Jack Line, you, you go back home to Kansas, and uh, it's a red state, but I bet you the, I'm assuming that the University of Kansas is a little bit bluer in its hue. Uh, you probably have partisans on both sides kind of yapping at you all the time. You're kind of a guy who wants to get things done. When you go home to this kind of complicated you try to explain what's going on here. How do you explain it? You know, um, one one slight uh, amendment to that. It's we are we're, we're perceived natu- nationally as a red state. Although um, that might be changing, but right? that is changing. I think we're we're skewing more towards purple. We have a, a new representative, Sharice Davids, who represents uh, the University of Kansas Medical Center. And of course, we uh, we have a, a current governor, uh, Democratic governor. She's doing a great job. Uh, she's now in her tenth month, uh, Governor Lark, Lark Kelly, um, and. Um, and so I, I'd say that the, the days of us being a solid red state um, uh, are, are changing a little bit. Thanks to Sam Brownback. And uh, no comment there. <laughs> um, so Governor Brownback uh, uh, is in his new role. But to answer your question, um, you know, I, I tell folks that, believe it or not, work is getting done in D.C. Um, and behind the scenes when the Klee lights go out, um, uh, committee staff, members, are able to, to move um, some priorities forward and, and that, you know, don't read uh, or don't believe everything you read and uh, the news has a, a role to try to capture eyeballs and attention on things that are uh, easy to, uh, to, to distract viewers with. Um, but I think um, we are able to, to get things done and um, I don't think it's as bad as people make it out to be. Well, uh, I, I hope you're right. Um, John Easton, I, I look at that um Iconic picture. It's going to be a kind of become an iconic picture of Nancy Pelosi standing up in a room full of men, standing and and against uh, President Trump. Trump kind of that, that doing a big walkout. It's it's now uh, the picture on her Twitter feed. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I'm, she loves it. Um, you know, Trump loves to make her the 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 font of all evil. But you know, I'm not sure if that works. We'll see if it does. Um, and you know, he's going to be running against somebody else when he runs for president. But the the president and the speaker have a very acrimonious relationship. Do they have a vested interest in finding ways to do what Jack says and get some stuff done? Or is it in their vested interest to retreat to their partners and corners and try to get their bases excited? It's, it's uh, of course, both. Uh, it's in the nation's interest for them to find common ground and to get some things done and come to agreements on things like the U.S.-Mexico trade a Canada trade agreement on on perhaps a uh, prescription drug price pro, uh, reform program, but you know it. What is in their political interest? And of course, this 
goes back to the dawn of, of American time where, you know, a lot of times that's what, what wins the day is, is serving your political interest. And, and I think at, at this moment, I think Donald Trump is like a caged animal and that he feels like completely under siege and by Nancy Pelosi and, and her army uh, over there in the, in the House of Representatives. And, and so it, it's kind of tough to see them come to a, a place of common ground and agreement on some of these legislative items. But then again, you know, they know it's good for them both. So at what point do, does that carry the day? I mean, I think that there are many in Congress, both in the Senate Democratic Caucus and the House Democratic Caucus, who tell their respective leaders, are you crazy? You're going to give that lunatic a win? No way, no how ever. So they're they're hearing that a lot, but um, you know, at the end of the day, I, I think sometimes uh, you know the greater wisdom prevails, and 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 they actually will agree on something. I, I hope so. My, my my humble opinion, if if the Speaker Pelosi wants to keep her majority, she needs to give some solid wins to her fifty or so members who won in Trump winning districts, and I think that that is ultimately what she'll do. And my experience on that is what happened. Um, in the second term of as Bill Clinton was running for president re-election and the, the Senate Republican, the House Republicans gave a lot of victories to including welfare reform to Clinton. And then after impeachment, um, Denny Hastert and Trent Lott worked with President Clinton to get a lot of stuff done to try to bring the country. It might be a combination of those two things, but I'm not sure. Jack Klein, um, it's rare we get someone here who is such a, a expert when it comes to higher education. I'm and, not sure if I would call myself an expert. Well, you're an expert. Compared to us, you're very much an expert. And, you know, Easton, at some point in time, his his daughters are getting close to applying for colleges. Um, my are they kids to the University of Kansas? Uh, well, I mean, I, that, we'll put that on the list no, for we'll sure. That, we'll definitely put Especially that on the list. Especially after today. One of my, one of my really good friends, uh, Ken Goff, went to the University of Kansas Law School, and his daughter went to the University of Kansas. So Kansas is one of the great academic institutions. That's right. It's known as the Harvard of the Midwest. Is that That's right. right. Okay. That's good. right. Tell us about the state of higher education. What's it looking like in the next five to ten years? You know, uh, the state of higher ed is uh, is strong. Uh, we have two uh, immediate priorities that we that are not new to us, but we think about every day. Um, and when I say they're they're not new, these are um, two issues that are. Uh, 10, 20, 30 years in the making that we think about every day, which is uh, science and security. Uh, we're dealing with uh, an issue of espionage on campus. Um, and I'm not specifically talking about the University of Kansas, although, although that has touched us, um, but across the nation, this is a real issue. Uh, yesterday, uh, the uh, Department of State made an announcement that uh, all Chinese diplomats going forward will have to contact the Department of State uh, to notify them before they go into a university, a U.S. university campus. So that's wow. new. Wow. Um, and uh, so that's an issue that uh, the University of Kansas has been dealing with for 10, 20 years. Uh, and we're working with uh, federal law enforcement and intelligence community officials um, to address um, an issue where uh, intellectual property, um, hardware, uh, and um, federal research dollars that have gone into this incredible research, uh, it's so we protect it. These are really national assets. Right. Yeah. And so um, this is a top priority for presidents and chancellors across the country. The other uh, kind of secondary priority are we're dealing with um, uh, sustained research funding, not just for the NIH that we, of course, care about, but across the board, uh, National Science Foundation, DOD, Department of Energy, NASA. Um, right now, we're, you know, we're dealing with ups and downs, and um, a researcher on campus 
would much rather have sustained funding, long-term funding that he or she knows that there's uh, an ability to plan. Right. And, um, and right now we have these leaps and uh, these peaks in, the, in these valleys where um, it's hard to do that. And certainly with continuing resolutions and you know government shutdowns, it's, it's hard for researchers. Uh, and I'm not just talking about at the University of Kansas, but across the country, and they want certainty. And so um, research funding, uh, it's our responsibility to um, gently educate members of Congress and their staff that we would much rather see sustained growth over time uh, not just at our, our you know, science agencies, uh, but across the board, to include the National Endowment for the Humanities, I mean, the full spectrum so that um, our scholars on campus can plan and, um, and really drive the, um, the discoveries that we rely on them for. That's really interesting. Um, you know, it's not only just for, for research, it's also DOD. Yes. I mean, if you think about all these things, I mean, the, the congressional budget process is fundamentally broken. It has been broken for a while. I think they need to go to a two-year budget. I think they need to, need to go to a two-year appropriations process. I think they need to give more room for oversight and more room f to give people who they give the grants to the ability to to spend two years with the money because I think we get a lot more efficiencies out of the system. But anyway, I think, I think right. So, John Easton, um, this is my favorite part of the segment. Um, what are you buying or selling today? I'm going to have to tip my hat a little bit to our producer, uh, Adam Belmar, who is with us, uh, but just off camera, uh, on this because we were talking about this earlier, and tomorrow is I'm buying uh, the first uh, all-female spacewalk, and these, these two wonderful astronauts are going to replace a battery unit uh, out on the International Space Station. And uh, kudos to them. Uh, I can't, I'm sure we can all appreciate just how difficult it is to actually become an astronaut, you know, physically, mentally, it just must be, um, the rigor must be unbelievable. And, and I'm, I know they're more than deserving of, of this opportunity, and it's about time. And, and I'll say, it just in, in parallel with that, the, we all remember Christina McAuliffe, who was the um, first female, well, it's first civilian female to go into space, the teacher from New Hampshire, who um, uh, was killed in the Challenger explosion. A a coin bill was just passed by the House and Senate and signed into law last week by President Trump honoring Christina McAuliffe. And so I, th I think this is very um, timely and appropriate that those two sort of are happening at about the same time. Yeah, so good luck on your walk tomorrow. Yeah, right. Oh, it's kind of scary. Um, Jack Line, what are you buying or selling today? John, I'm buying uh, having the environment ready for uh, the country to talk about um, the national debt. And this is a tricky topic for members of Congress uh, and leaders to talk about. Right now, we're over at $22 trillion, um, and it will take some leadership and courage to talk about um, mand mandatory spending programs. And so I'm buying uh, the, the environment where um, leaders uh, in the next uh, next Congress will be able to take this up. This is an important issue, not just to um, higher ed and research, but really to the country. Uh, and unfortunately, we've seen uh, this this conversation be tabled. And I think um, I'm, I'm buying that it's going to come back. I will say that if you give the necessary um, investment in health research, it will actually have an impact on the debt because people will live longer and pay taxes longer, and uh, we spend less on on 
other things. I think it's a good one, though. Um, so I'm going to buy the memory of Elijah Cummings, uh, who just passed. Uh, you know what? I didn't agree with Elijah Cummings, but I appreciated the passion with which he did his job. He was a principled leader. Um, and, you know, it's, it's sad that uh, someone like him dies. It happens. But, uh, you know, he was a good member of Congress, uh, represented his, his d district well, and uh, I'm sorry for his passing. With that, I want to thank Jack Klein for joining the Fury Theory Podcast, brought to you by EFB Advocacy. EFB means excellent, excellent for business. For business. <laughs> All right. yeah, baby.